One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, Darren Lewis from The Mirror and TalkSport's football correspondent, Alex Crook, as the Premier League reconvenes for the run-in and it won't stop until it hurtles to a thrilling climax. Saturdays were made for Game Day and all the big games are here on TalkSport. It's magnificent from Mo Salah! Liverpool and City counting the bruises and bumps from international duty. They come face-to-face with teams scrapping for their lives. Will the Reds go top before the citizens take to turf more? Manchester United go back to Old Trafford, hoping that things are a little bit better than Luke Shaw made out. And there's West London derby action on TalkSport 2, as Chelsea take on Brentford. And Chelsea is still looking for that new owner. Wolves take on Aston Villa in a middling Midlands matchup. Lampard goes back to West Ham, and Newcastle's revival might have hit the hot spurs. All that on the podcast that makes fewer changes than David Moyes. It's the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. That's right. Fewer changes than uh, David Moyes and West Ham United here on the podcast. We've always got our A grade lineup. Darren Lewis is here. Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm good. And Alex Crook is here as well. Hello. Hello. How are we? What's the matter? Are you okay? <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for a, a barb. That's you, how you normally start the podcast. I, I, I wouldn't do that. But yesterday, I was like Chris Rock, ready for that fake slap across the face. No, don't, don't, don't start with all that. The theme of today is yes, changes. Things are changing around here. That's right. Things are changing. We're going visual very soon, which is uh, a big thing for us, a big thing for Crook, because he's going to have to actually put gel in his hair and uh, do some sort of beard trimming on a more regular basis, because you get very hairy very quickly, don't you? <laughs> you do. You're so hairy. He's very yeah, hairy. If I shave it off, I look about 12. Yeah, yeah. I've had the same problem, but you notice that I have done it today. I've gone for it. I've just decided... Yeah, you don't look 12. <laughs> 12 years younger than I did, which is not that much, really, in comparison to how old I really am. Um, uh, but it's also the day that Jurgen Klopp gets his way, Pep has a party, and Sean Dyche's plot, his evil plot, to scupper the plans of the rich and famous are dashed. Five substitutions. Yes, five changes in one match are going to be allowed from next season. How do we feel about that, boys? I'm more in favour than I was. Um, I think uh, when it was first mooted, and obviously it came in during um, the COVID period, I felt like a lot of fans did it would favour the bigger teams. But having spoken uh, at length to, to managers lower down the food chain, people like Thomas Frank, people like Ralph Hasen, Hootaloo, surprise, surprise, unusually for him, has been very outspoken about this. I think actually it can be a benefit to the to the smaller clubs 
as well. Uh, I think uh, Darren and I were both at the game at St Mary's when Southampton played West Ham in the FA Cup. Ralph Arsenhutel made wholesale changes because he knew he had the option to bring five of his senior players off the bench in the second half and really that took the game away from West Ham so I don't think it is quite as one-sided as it was ultimately if Manchester City are allowed three or five changes the players they bring off the bench are going to be better than the three all or right, five players right, right, that okay. to bring on this is just a, a very sensible answer and I'm slightly concerned I don't know about you uh, Darren I'm slightly concerned because that was just far too measured and composed are we sure that he hasn't changed I mean, I know he did the England commentary this week for Talk Sports, so he's got Billy big time. Um, he wore a suit to a game and all sorts. Um, it, but that sounded a little bit too measured. I mean, first of all, let's just put it out there. This is the worst decision they made in the history of football, mainly because as a commentator, that means you have to research in depth even more players. And then during a match, you've got to shuffle your stickers around and stuff. It's a nightmare for us. You think about us, will you, for God's sakes, rather than the welfare of the footballers. Darren, can we have a more sensible viewpoint from you? You know, A bit more in character. First of all, Crook, if you're in there, just blink. Blink yeah. twice. Are you still there, Crook? <laughs> if you're trapped in there, just blink, yes, please. Not, that, that sort of response um, is not what we pay you for. Actually, I'm going to disappoint you, Sam, and agree with Crook. <laughs> because I think... Uh, yeah, but we expect that from you. <laughs> well, just that... Listen, the big clubs are going to win most of the games anyway. If you look at the records of the Liverpools and the Manchester Cities, they've lost very few games so far this season. So I don't think that's going to change much in relation to them. But if you look then below that, a lot of the so-called weaker teams have quality. And I remember, for example, when Southampton beat Spurs and Ralph Hasenhutl said, last season I didn't have the depth this time around I do which is why I can make changes for the uh, FA Cup and the Premier League and I think that some of those clubs might get underestimated in terms of being able to cope very well with this new rule so I'm not as worried for them as I would normally have been okay good okay let's move on to the action because the action is massive this week Liverpool can go top of the league This is Talk Sports Game Day. We own Saturdays. If we want to reach something in this in this Premier League, you need to win all your games, and sometimes you need the other teams to to draw points. Into Mane, inside the area, goes forward, comes back to Salah. It's two one. I think Mo Salah, the sort of player he is, and the confidence he's got in his ability, he'll be fine. But he'll be upset as well losing yeah. again to his teammate Mane. They try to feed Dennis onto his left foot. He's looking to get the shot away. Takes a step and fires it into. I knew it was going to be a very difficult challenge. I think it's always a difficult challenge, you know, even if you're in a position two or three places above the relegation zone. And Roy Hodgson's possible survival mission is very much on in Hertfordshire. It finished here, Southampton won, Watford two. The last time that Liverpool were top of the table was back in October, but they can return there for at least a couple of hours if they beat Watford, live on TalkSport this lunchtime at 12.30. How much psychologically would that boost Liverpool, even if that brief stay at the summit is only a couple of hours, Crook? Um, I'm not sure, because it's so short-term. Obviously, all roads lead to that game against Manchester City. Although I have said before, I'm not sure that that will be the official title decider that many people think it will. I think the points actually will be dropped elsewhere. Uh, I think Liverpool 
seem to have more firepower, seem to have a little bit more fire in their belly, uh, maybe, than Manchester City do. Although Jack Grealish's performance for England at Wembley in midweek will do his confidence the world of good. You said if Liverpool beat Watford, I think we can say when um, Liverpool beat Watford. It's very difficult to make a case for the country. Ah, the cockiness are, is back. That didn't take long, did it? <laughs> if you are Roy Hodgson and you're looking for reasons that they could cause an upset, maybe the fact that uh, Mo Salah and Sadio Mane both went deep into extra time in a very emotionally draining World Cup playoff in midweek could be a reason for that. But then <laughs> they could just play Diego Jota or uh, Diaz. So Liverpool have so many options. I don't think that would be a problem. I think they'll win the game. Well, I was at the 3-0 thrashing of Liverpool by Watford in the title winning year. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, Liverpool ripped them apart, though, in the first meeting between the two this season. Uh, although I see Liverpool winning this, I just wonder whether or not if they will be affected by some of those later rivals back to Merseyside. There's several South Americans coming back from long journeys. Some of those games were were late on Tuesday, Wednesday for the South Americans and in our time zone. Salah and Mane, as you've already mentioned, are at each other's throats in the World Cup playoff until Tuesday. Egypt-Senegal going right into a penalty shootout and obviously Salah missed his penalty after he was, uh, well, he was covered in lasers uh, in the build-up to uh, that penalty. There's a lot emotionally invested in that game and then there were claims of abuse suffered by Salah at the hands of Senegalese fans. I imagine... now. now Far be it from me to anticipate what Jurgen Klopp is going to say here, but Herr Klopp has a little bit of a habit of not liking a 12.30 kickoff, especially after an international break. Will, will that get mentioned in the press conference, do you think, Darren? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. After, Regardless as well. because And I think you'll mention it because, as Crook was saying, Liverpool will win. But I think you'll mention it because it almost works better if you mention it when you win than if you mention it when you lose and it looks like sour grapes. So I think he will mention it. But I do overall agree with Crook. I look at the depth that Liverpool have and I don't think the South American returnees will... I don't think they'll start. I don't even think they'll play. I think they've got such quality and strength and depth that there wouldn't be any discernible drop if you were to field some of the other players who could slot in and do so well. Uh, Hassan Kamara was actually very, very lucky not to be sent off for uh, the Côte d'Ivoire on Tuesday night um, after Sergio had already been dismissed. Uh, he plays in the Watford team, a Watford team that actually did win their final game before the international break, beating Southampton. But their their form hasn't had the sort of uptick that I think many people hoped when Roy Hodgson was appointed, Crook. No, and... I- <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised by that. I thought it was quite a sensible appointment at the time, but there's been a small improvement defensively that I think possibly has had a negative impact on the team going forward. They're not scoring goals. But actually, I think I mentioned it before and you mentioned one of them there, Kamara. The players they signed in January, for me, just aren't fit for purpose in the Premier League. I think he's an accident waiting to happen, Kamara. And I commentated him against Arsenal a few weeks ago and it was the same story there. So if they do go down, it won't be Roy Hodgson's fault. But if, and again, I'd probably say when now Watford are relegated to the championship, I wonder if he'll regret that decision to come out of retirement because it's probably not the way that his glittering career deserved to end. Um, it looks like Andy Robertson will be back for uh, Liverpool. He really is uh, one of, he's one of my favourites actually in the Premier League. Um, understated, terribly effective, very cheap and worked on the phones at Hampden Park before he was a full-time footballer. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold looks to miss out though because uh, his injury doesn't seem to have healed uh, prior to this game. It looks like getting him back for the two games with City are the priority. He may even miss the 
first leg against Benfica. That is a bit of a worry for Jurgen Klopp. I think it is in terms of the Benfica game. I don't think it is in, in terms of this one. I, sorry, I sound like I'm really down you do. Um, on Watford, but um, I, I can understand why they want to rest him again for those games against Manchester City because he's such an important player. And he's, him and Robertson really have transformed the way that fullbacks operate in the Premier League. It's a, it's that, a blueprint, if you like, true? that everybody else is, is trying true? to replicate. Is yeah, that, I, I do true? think that. Didn't Manchester yeah. City spend all their money on fullbacks first? Yeah, but it took a while for that to come to fruition um, in terms of Manchester City. And I, I still think Trent Alexander-Arnold is a very different player to Carl Walker, for example, with the way yeah. that he starts those attacks from the back. So, yeah, I, I do think they've been revolutionary in that respect. And everybody else in the Premier League is now trying to follow. But as Darren's already said, whatever eleven takes the field against Watford, if the attitude is right they will win the game and they should win it fairly comfortably. Liverpool haven't dropped any Premier League points since January uh, when they drew with Chelsea on the second of that month. I think it would be foolish to think anything other than a red renewal, according to these boys. Um, It's a sellout at Turf Moor when City come to town, just hours after Liverpool have played Watford. And Burnley will need all the help that they can get. Clearly, like Liverpool, there will be a bit of a hangover with some of the Brazilians playing late into the day. But no team have scored fewer home goals than Burnley. So it should be a problem that Manchester City should solve, Darren? Yeah, 10 goals so far this season at home. Uh, as you say, no team has scored fewer goals uh, and they just don't score enough either. I think they've only scored eight goals at home all season. Uh, so it's not good enough. They, their record against City is poor anyway. Again, any constellation of stars that takes to the field against Burnley will be too good for them. And I, to be honest with you, this game is not the one that is going to determine whether Burnley stay up or not. It's a free hit in many respects. I think they've got a game against Norwich next, and I think Everton, if I'm not mistaken. Everton uh, in week, isn't it? Yeah, 6th of yeah. Uh, April at Turf Moor against Everton. That's a massive, massive game, isn't it? Exactly. They are the games that are going to determine whether Burnley stay up. This one, City all day long. Uh, Burnley used to have a habit of beating the title holders. The Clarets beat the champions in each of their first four Premier League campaigns, adding the scalp of City in 2014-15, Leicester in 2016-17, and the Chelsea the following season. But since George Boyd's goal sent City packing at Turf Moor in 2015, um, City have beaten Burnley in 13 of the following 14 meetings <laughs> with one draw. The aggregate score of 44-5. It's been well, one-sided. And there's been a few 5 nils um, in that, isn't there? It seems to be the, the, the common scoreline when Manchester City play Burnley. I'm not sure it'll be five this weekend just because Manchester City don't need to expand the energy to get to five. I think they'll probably declare it two or three. I think they'll have uh, too much for Burnley. And we've been saying it for a while on this uh, podcast. I think there's... There's almost a little bit of an arrogance about Burnley. Adrian Durham was saying that he was uh, chatting to Ben Mee at the Etihad. Ben Mee's just started to do a bit of media work, uh, a recent Champions League game, and that Ben Mee was almost taken aback uh, by Adrian Durham's question, do you think you'll have enough to stay up? There's a, a confidence in the Burnley camp. I think because they've got themselves out of trouble before, it automatically will happen again. I'm not sure it will, you know. Not this season. They've done it before, haven't they? And that's good that they've got a bit of confidence, isn't it? That's the kind of thing that you need if you're you're going to drag yourselves out of a a type spot, Darren, no? 
Yeah, it, it is the experience of course and distance. I mean, I do have my favourite saying, as you, one of my favourite sayings, if you circle the drain long enough, you end up going down the plug hole. But at the same time, if you've been in that kind of tight situation, you do know how to hold your nerve. So you can look at it that way. And certainly the players at Burnley uh, have got that experience. I was looking, listening to you talking about the record that they have a second ago against some of the bigger teams. And I wonder if Burnley, in some respects, benefit from a reputation that they no longer live up to, which is that they used to be a really tough place to go, set pieces, they were really strong, they were bruisers, but now they play football. And actually, they don't bully, for example, the likes of Arsenal in quite the same way as they used to. Yeah. They don't have other top teams as worried as they used to be when they went to turf more. They try to play football, but when you do that against the bigger teams, the bigger big teams will beat you. That is a problem because their home form has not been as good over the course of the last 18 months as it was beforehand. And that's really come back to bite them. They only beat really sort of like the mid-ranking teams now, like Tottenham and, and Manchester United. Um, right, OK. Uh, Walker rested. Grealish uh, minutes managed over the international break. Sterling too. They should have plenty fresh enough to be able to win this game. Manchester City. Chelsea Brentford uh, is three o'clock on TalkSport 2 at the weekend um, on Saturday. Chelsea have won six games on the spin since the off-field issues took hold, but they have only scored five goals in their last five Premier League home matches. Just before the break, though, Kai Havertz playing superbly. He scored in midweek against, or scored in the week against Israel. If only Timo Werner could replicate his German form as well, hey? They'd be a force to be reckoned with, wouldn't they, Crook? It's interesting you mentioned Timo Werner. It, it did make me chuckle his comments uh, last week during the international break uh, that maybe playing for Germany uh, plays to his strengths more than Chelsea. What, to being caught offside 16 times a game and then missing chances. Even uh, in their latest game, he missed a decent header uh, from close range. I think the time has come with Timo Werner, you know, when despite what Kevin Hatchard will tell us that, you know, give him time, he'll come good. I think Chelsea have to cut their losses because he isn't going to come good in the Premier League. He's not good enough uh, as a number nine, which is what they signed him for. Uh, having said that, against Brentford, they're not going to need Timo Werner because there are other players like Kai Havertz who went into the international break on good form. Didn't think Mason Mount was brilliant for England, actually, in that first game on Saturday against Switzerland, one of his quieter afternoons, but I guess Difficult he position, was probably due one. Yeah, he was probably due one. Um, I think the intriguing dynamic to this is, is Christian Eriksen. Uh, I was quite emotional watching his goal in Copenhagen in midweek. I mean, what a turnaround that has been since that awful afternoon against Finland. But I kind of agree with what Roy Keane was saying on ITV in midweek now. I think Christian Eriksen, he's, you know, he's made his comeback. He's scored in his international comeback. He's gone back to the park and stadium and scored. I think now he'll just want to concentrate on being what he is and that's a very good footballer who clearly hasn't lost any of his ability during his time away so I think with him on song with Ivan Tony up front they do have the, the weapons to hurt Chelsea and I think Brentford will feel they were a bit unlucky not to get something out of the reverse fixture when Edouard Mendy was in inspired form. So it's an intriguing game. I would expect Chelsea to win, but I don't think it will be comfortable. Yeah. Uh, Todd Bowley's consortium, I think, appears to be the strongest in terms of uh, that that is lining up to take over the club. But the competition really is hotting up, Darren, isn't it? People around the process saying that some of the figures that are involved are crazy and escalating. I can't believe that even this government is going to allow the Ricketts family to take over with the level of opposition. Um, but uh, keep yourself, son. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but Chelsea do, do seem to be pushing the boat out for them, don't they? They organised the meeting between them and and Paul Cannonville, who is said to be reassured by the meeting that he had with Tom Ricketts. The, the, the problem here is that the patriarch of that family, Joe Ricketts, sent an email with uh, Islamophobic language in it. 
Apparently, he isn't involved. Chelsea supporters, though, have organised a protest at this game. Those who aren't satisfied with the idea of Ricketts taking over um, are uh, being urged to take banners to the game at the weekend. So when the players come out, they make a protest against that potential ownership. The problem for Chelsea is if uh, he does take over, if the Ricketts family take over, it will represent a PR disaster. They might have lots of money, deep pockets, good intentions, but Chelsea have an ongoing no-to-hate campaign. So how does that sit alongside the alleged remarks made by individuals within the Ricketts family? How does that sit alongside the contributions uh, from one member of the family allegedly to the Republican Party uh, in the, in and one individual in particular. There are lots of elements of the Ricketts family bid that will concern a lot of people and it would be hard for Chelsea to maintain any kind of anti-discrimination campaign if they have custodians who are embroiled in the kind of controversy that they are in. And also, does the club need that? You've had so much negativity around the club. I know you're a fan, you know, it's, it, it I, I say you, a, I make it, it needs personal. a positive sweep. It needs, a, it needs a positive sweep. You don't sweep. need any more hassle and aggravation, surely. But the thing is, as you say, and I, listen, we're a sports football show, so we're not going to go down the politics route, but we have seen with the current government, they don't really care what people think about optics. They just do what's best for them. And that's what makes me think it could yet still be the Ricketts family. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Saturdays were made for game day, and all the big games are here on Talk Sport. Oh! It's magnificent from Mo Salah. I think Liverpool right now. I think you could slightly have them as favourites. They try to beat Dennis onto his left foot. He's looking to get the shot away. Takes a step and fires it into the top corner. I can't see any way out of this for Watford whatsoever. Right for the delivery into Lukaku. Who heads. 
It's Chelsea in front. Tony, short run-up, right-footed penalty, makes absolutely no mistake. And Brentford take the lead. There's an opportunity here for Bruno Fernandes, who's made it two for Manchester United. United, in their own way, have got to keep applying that significant pressure to Arsenal and find out whether they can hack it. It's in! It's in! Madison has given Leicester the lead! On TalkSport at 5.30 this Saturday, it's Manchester United against Leicester. Manchester United will be out of the race for fourth place if they drop any more points, says Ralph Ranić. We have to be perfect, he says. Uh, they take on Leicester live on TalkSport this week, improving before the international break. They won three of the last four in the Premier League and they knocked Wren out of the Conference League. Well done to them. Uh, what have United got to be careful of here, Crook? Well, what you've just said, really, I, I commentated Leicester's last game um, before the international break at home to Brentford. And I was very impressed for much of it. I mean, Brentford did improve in the second half, but Leicester pretty much did the job in the first 45. Madison uh, was in sparkling form, as we mentioned on the post-game pod. He's now been involved in more goals in all competitions than any other English player this season. Still not enough, uh, in your opinion, to get him back in the England team. Um, Fafana will probably play. He was rested for that league game, having made his comeback in the Europa Conference League. So I would expect him to come in um, this weekend. They've got Johnny Evans, who came on in the second half, so he could well start as well. I think this is a dangerous fixture for Manchester United. Ralph Randick is, is right. They do need a perfect end to the season. But you just can't see where that's coming from because it's been such a disjointed campaign. Even the games they've won um, under their interim manager have not been particularly impressive. I think Edinson Cavani is injured again. What a waste of space he's been this season. Obviously, Ronaldo uh, played two big games for Portugal. That would have uh, taken it out of his veteran leg. So... I could see a Leicester winner at Old Trafford. I'm, I'm so disappointed that you've brought that up because I did have on my sheet Edinson Cavani's injured crook playing for Uruguay. Just thought I'd leave that out there a little bit later in the pod, but no, you've already got it in. You've already noticed it. Um, you mentioned that Madison's come into a bit of form. By the way, I don't pick the England team, so it doesn't matter what my opinion is. My opinion is based on what I think the actual manager will do, uh, and I don't think he'll pick uh, James Madison. Um they have history causing problems with Manchester United, don't they, uh, Leicester? They beat them 4-2 in October. I can't imagine after all the scrutiny that he's gone under over the last couple of uh, days and weeks, Harry Maguire is relishing the prospect of being run by Jamie Vardy, Darren Lewis. No, he won't. And Jamie Vardy... <laughs> it's funny, actually, because this fixture is exactly the reason why Jamie Vardy decided he didn't want to play international football anymore because he wanted to rest his legs to be fresh for days like this after England players had been um, going through the physical and emotional intensity for play, of playing for their country. I think in the reverse fixture, Leicester should have scored five or six. United were that bad, maybe even seven. I can't see that changing in this game. I think Leicester could go to United and win. United have conceded more goals than any other club in the top six. They've also scored the joint fewest. They've got good individual players. As Crook's been saying, Ronaldo is emotionally and physically tired. Defensively, Man United are all over the shop. I think there's no reason why Leicester... Leicester are no great shakes. Let's not kid ourselves, but they won their last game. I think they go back. They've won five of their last seven. I think they They're go to United believe they can win. They're getting better, that's for sure. Crook? Can I just say as well, we have more of those leaks coming out of Manchester United during the international break that uh, Eric Ten Hag has indeed been interviewed for the job. Manchester United then 
let it be known to the media that he's not the front runner. They haven't decided who the favourite is yet, trying to make it look like it's still an open race. Louis, Louis van Gaal said, that. don't take it. Well, and he's right, Louis van Gaal. You know, he's, right. got a lot, he's got a lot of stick from Manchester United fans. He wasn't the most popular United manager uh, that's ever been, but he, he's dead right. This is a football club that is more interested in uh, pounds and uh, dollars than it is in actually being successful on the pitch. But mm. if it's true that we sit here now, uh, just about to go into April, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer having been relieved of his duties in November, and Manchester United don't have a clear idea of who they want to be their manager next season, that is an absolute dereliction of duty. It's an absolute embarrassment for a football club of this size and stature. Well, they, they, they do, don't they? I think we, we're pretty clear on the fact that they seem to... They know it's either going to be Pochettino or, or Ten Hag, and you think, and I think everyone seems to have been given the information that Ten Hag is further up the process than, than Pochettino. Uh, for that, sad, but, but, but Crook's right. Why are there briefs? Why are there leaks? Why is there... The because that's how Manchester United do their business and have done their business for the last six, seven years. business like that. The really big clubs it, who are run by football people. Serious clubs don't do their business like that. Serious clubs, they don't do that. But it is how Manchester United have operated for a very, very long time. And that is the problem. It's not just... This is why when people start moaning about the manager or the philosophy or the culture, actually, it starts at the very top. Like all great organisations, it starts at the very top and the culture is set from the very top. If you've got a brilliant chief executive or a brilliant chairman that dictates that you behave, all behave in a certain way and, and... leads by example, everybody does the same thing. Everybody raises their standards. If everybody's going around giving jobs to their mates and doing commercial deals rather than concentrating on football deals, then everybody else is going to have the same sort of ethos. They're not going to raise their standards for footballing excellence if the people above them aren't demanding it. Ultimately, that has been the case for far too long at Manchester United. Until that whole structure changes, that isn't going to be the case. And, And that's why... Louis van Gaal is absolutely spot on to point out that Manchester United are more interested in commercial activities than they are in footballing activities because it's true. And if you don't believe it, look at the honours roster over the last 10 years. It will tell you. Um, Bruno Fernandes had a better time with Portugal, scoring goals that took them to uh, Port, uh, to Qatar. Uh, earlier this week, Simon Jordan actually said on TalkSport that he didn't deserve a new five-year contract. Now, I completely disagree with that because I think, actually, he has been one of the most consistent performers over the last couple of years. And comparatively, he is a lone earner for his ability. I mean, he's not a low earner. Let's not get it right. He's not on minimum wage. He's on hundred grand a week. But in comparison to players of a similar stature to him, he's earning probably half of what they are. So I think he deserves a new contract. Yeah, and before Ronaldo came in, he was the driving force uh, getting Manchester United back into the, the the Champions League. I think it's been difficult at times uh, for those two to, to play together. It's been difficult in the Portuguese national team. Uh, Fernandes isn't a regular starter, but uh, was given a nod in midweek and repaid the faith. So I, I think Fernandes has leadership qualities. I think he has captain qualities. I think he has lost his way a bit this season and maybe the theatrical side of his game has, has come to the fore and that's led to Simon... Jordan labelling him a show pony, but I don't agree with that at all. I think he's well worthy of a new contract. Actually, long term, I think he will be the, the the focal point of any success that Manchester United will have. Got to cheer up a little bit, though. Uh, Sunday, 4.30, Tottenham against Newcastle. Harry Kane scored his 49th international goal at the weekend. Now returns to Tottenham to spearhead their top four charge. And with Arsenal playing on Monday, Darren, this is a chance to lay down a marker for Tottenham, isn't it? Really is. Really, really is. It's going to be a tough game. Newcastle, very good side now that they've invested that money. 
into the squad. You can see where the money's gone. But also, I was at the press conference um, of Conte's last game before the break, and it was really interesting what he said. He was much happier with the team. He said, Chelsea swept us aside. He just plucked Chelsea out of the air, but he said, Chelsea swept us aside when we played them, outclassed us when we played them a couple of months ago. I would like to play them now again now with this Tottenham team because I think we're better, we're stronger. Okay. Yeah, you know, maybe it's the equivalent of, you know, going and pushing a few weights and kind of believing that you can maybe want to face up to the bully who kicked sand in your face. Yeah, but it's uh, quite uh, easy to say, I'll face Chelsea now knowing that he doesn't have to. Uh, and, al- <laughs> and also the other thing is, is that you, you, we are sort of on board the emotional Conte roller coaster, aren't we? The Conte coaster, which takes you up and down every five seconds. To you know, you never know which way your stomach's going to flip next, do you? But the big thing is, as far as Spurs are concerned, is that they are scoring goals. They look fluid in attack. They will give Newcastle all sorts of problems. My worry for them remains: they they are Champions League uh, in terms of the front six. They are Championship at the back goalkeeper included uh, I mean that might be a bit strong oh. but I just think the propensity to shoot themselves in the foot defensively is the reason why I don't think they'll finish in the top four yeah I, I agree with you uh, five wins in that uh, seven for Spurs who have scored 19 goals in that time Newcastle's revival slowed a little bit with defeat to Everton and Chelsea it's not just all about uh, money though that led to the revival before that because good coaching good coaching good coaching um, and those uh, two defeats, Crook, were by late dramatic goals, weren't they? Eddie Howe's team unbeaten in nine Premier League games before before that winning six. And, you know, that late goal against Everton, late goal against Chelsea, they largely have been pretty difficult to beat. Yeah, I think the international break might have come at a good time for Newcastle because um, they were in a situation where they were going into every game knowing they needed uh, to take points to, to really start to build momentum and, and pull themselves away from the bottom three, I think, mentally and physically. And we use those words a lot uh, over the last half an hour or so. That, that did take its toll. So I think Eddie Howe would welcome the opportunity um, to regroup. But this is this is a different Newcastle now for the reasons you've said. Yes, they've made um, new signings, but they've also been well coached now. You look at the improvement in Joe Ellington, for example. I'm not sure any of us saw that coming. So they will go into this game with a bit of swagger, uh, a bit of confidence. And I think Eddie Howe will come up with a game plan to exploit those defensive weaknesses that that Darren has alluded to. This is a tricky fixture um, for Tottenham. I've said for a while now that fourth place is Arsenal's to lose. I just hope with the scheduling of the the rearranged North London derby, which looks like it's going to be very late in the season now, that that we get get to that game sort of middle of May and both Arsenal and Tottenham are still alive in terms of the top four race because that could be a fantastic occasion. I'm forever blowing bubbles. Pretty bubbles in the air. They fly so high... Like West Ham, they almost reach the sky. But like Everton, they can also fade and die. Um, Both Everton and West Ham have a huge amount to play for when they meet at 2 o'clock on Sunday. Frank Lampard returning to the club where it all began. And they absolutely detest him, don't they, down at West Ham? For some reason, unexplained, really, to me. Uh, They'll love to cause him grief because he was never, ever popular there, Darren. No, he wasn't. And... um... Obviously, everybody remembers that bizarre meeting that he, he and his uncle had with the fans who believed that Scott Cannon should have been playing instead yeah, of uh, Frank Lampard. Do you remember that? And uh, Harry Redknapp made an impassioned defence that turned out to be utterly true. And the fan who wanted Scott Cannon ended up being utterly wrong. Um, and Lampard's gone on to make himself... 
an utter legend. I suppose in the, the, the context is, is that when he, he broke through as um, a West Ham midfielder, he was very young and everybody thought it was a bit of nepotism, really, because mm. he was Harry's assistant's kid and he was also Harry's nephew. So mm. the idea of him being promoted to the first team, everybody thought was really odd and they, they didn't believe any of his talent. They thought he was a bit overweight and chubby and et cetera, et cetera. But actually, I think he's gone on to prove that he's had quite a reasonable career and maybe those West Ham fans mm. got it wrong. <laughs> and the interesting thing is that it, it was very similar when Frank promoted Mason Mount. And okay, it was a nepotism because yeah. obviously... They're not related, but you know there was a feeling that he was a favourite son, and yet Mason Mount has gone on to prove himself to be a potential superstar. So, but just with the West Ham thing, you're right. I think West Ham fans will have a lot of pleasure in seeing the demise of Everton. It is not Lampard's fault that Everton are where they are. Agreed. Given where they are, West Ham fans will be desperate for the team to win. And Everton's fragile confidence is going to be sorely tested. Uh, what could help them is that Jared Bowen, no real fixed date for him to return. He's been injured for a couple of weeks now and missed the first leg, uh, sorry, missed the severe games. Um, but, and it's a big but, West Ham still do have the organisation to beat Everton. Defeat at Spurs would have knocked West Ham back a little bit, though, wouldn't it? Because that, that's the kind of game that they want to win every year. That's one of their big matches. And it may be that they have one eye on the Thursday game with Leon, but they have more than enough to knock over this Everton side, who have failed to score in five of their last six Premier League matches. It's away from home as well. They're terrible away from home. They capitulated at Palace. What would Frank Lampard be working on over the international break, Crook? Try to get some belief um, and some energy into his players. I'll go back to when I saw them at Southampton and they started that game pretty well five or six weeks ago, but very quickly you realise they didn't have the physicality um, or, or the fitness to live with Southampton and that's something that Frank Lampard alluded to after that game and has done so on several occasions since, so I think he'd have been working hard on that in the training ground. But this away record is a problem. One away win all season, I'm still of the belief, Sam, and I know you disagree slightly because of the difficult nature of their remaining fixtures, that they will pick up enough points at home to stay up. Just don't think the three teams there at the minute, Burnley, Watford and Norwich, are good enough uh, to put together the, the type of run they'll need to to reel Everton into serious danger. It's... But if West Ham pick a semi-strong side here, you just can't make a case for Everton winning the game because it's away from home. But I do agree with you. I, I think by nature by human nature, West Ham will have one eye on that game against Leon because their season comes down to that now. David Moyes admitted as such after the defeat to Tottenham when they were a bit laboured in parts that it was always uh, a big ask for his side to stick in the top four race. They've had a, a brilliant European campaign. I think they've got enough to get past Leon in two legs. And let's not forget, if they win the Europa League, that is a route into the Champions League. That, for me, is their uh, best chance of getting into that competition. I think he'll make a couple of changes accordingly. Yeah, and, and just to clarify... It's not that I think that Everton or even want Everton to go down. I'm actually desperate for them not to go down. And I think I've sort of articulated that a few times. I, I would hate to see Frank and, and, and Joe end up in the championship next season after taking over at what is a huge, huge club. It would be terrible for the fans as well because the fans have been uh, through the mill. But they have got some serious financial issues and they are going to cause major headache, headaches for whoever, and if it is Frank, or whoever else it is, who's in charge in the summer. Because, relegated or not, they are going to have to sell either one or, or both of, Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. They're, 
I mean, I don't know if you've seen the latest accounts that were released this week, but basically they would be the first club that would be sanctioned under Premier League FFP if there hadn't been the COVID rule where those losses from the the COVID season could be scratched out and not taken into consideration. And I think they're even skating close to the, the perimeter of that, even with that rule. I mean, they have got serious cash flow problems. And with Usmanov obviously being sanctioned now and no one really knowing where the Mashiri cash is sort of coming from next, it's a, it's a very tricky situation for whoever is in charge of that club in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. They posted, posted losses of £120 million. And I have to say, in 20-odd years of working in football, I cannot remember £600 million being worse spent than the money that was spent at Everton. It was all playing to the gallery signings. It was players who were coming in and availing themselves of the riches on offer. And then basically just getting their slippers on. And they didn't really have an idea, a culture, a plan, a strategy. And this is the result. And you, you can, we can talk all that we like about the money, but at the end of the day, there's a vast difference between the potential problems at Everton and the commitment of the players on the pitch and, say, Chelsea with the p- potential potential problems around the club and the commitment from the players on the pitch there. And that's what matters. And that's the reason why they will potentially go down. The players, too few of them care about the situation that the club is in right now. Yeah, I mean, you've got Anthony Golden, I think, is is terrific and is certainly leaving it all out there. John Joe Kenny, Seamus Coleman, those characters, you want more of those. Well, in that's the why group. I say too few rather than all of yeah, them, because yeah, yeah. it's not all of them. But then you've but got some too few who you've care. Got, you've got some mentally weak players in there as well, haven't you? And that is a, that is another major, major issue. And that, that causes problems for, for the team. I mean, look, West Ham have beaten Wolves, they've beaten Villa, they've beaten Sevilla at home in recent weeks. They're not going to have too much trouble against a defence that can't keep out the wind. No, and I got a bit of stick actually uh, on deadline day for suggesting that um, the, the signings they've made weren't the type of character uh, that you would want in a relegation battle. Exhibit A, Deli Ali, who's made no impact at all since pitching up on Merseyside. And Exhibit B, Donny van der Beek, who has become one of the best uh, players in Manchester United's history uh, in the eyes of some of the supporters without actually spending too much time on the pitch. And you have to say, he's not done much uh, to prove Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Ralph Rangnick wrong either. Then you've got the Dominic Calvert-Lewin situation, just hasn't looked the same player since coming back from injury. Richarlison looks like he'd rather be anywhere uh, but Goodison Park. It's a difficult dressing room for Frank Lampard. And actually, it's a difficult uh, situation to see how he's going to turn it around moving forward. I think they'll stay up this season. But what happens in the summer? Because you mentioned the financial issues. They've got players on on big money. I mean, who's going to pay big money for Richarlison uh, on the form that we've seen this season? I know Arsenal have been big admirers of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Are they going to pay £60 million for Dominic Calvert-Lewin on current form? I'm not convinced. They will. I don't think Everton's problems start and end with them staying in the Premier League this season. I think oh, they no. go much but, deeper than that. But 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 if they do go down, then the fall is going to be off a cliff. It's going to be it's going to be a footballing catastrophe if they go down. I'm 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 very concerned about what happens to them if they end up going into the Championship. Look, I agree. Ultimately. You know, fingers crossed they don't go down into the championship. The club's actually in the bottom three, are better equipped to go to the championship, survive and possibly bounce back than, than Everton are, that is for sure. Right, let's uh, put up a bit of a smile on your face and welcome Lucy back to the pod. Hello. Hello, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. How are you? 
Uh, I must say, Sam, just before we begin. Oh, yeah. I think I now have more hair on my face than you. Oh, really? Because I've had a shave. Yeah. 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 Okay. Do you, do you like it without the uh, without the hairy beard? It's giving me uh, naked mole rat vibes. Uh, what? Sorry. <laughs> Google naked mole rat. Have a look. Oh, Let's have a look. Mole rat. Yes, a mole rat. Naked. Naked mole rat. <laughs> Oh dear, Lucy. that is not a flattering comparison, Lucy. That's horrible. <laughs> anyway, should we start the quiz? Yeah. I think, I think Lucy, a naked I, I, mole rat question. I think, I, keep I, think we should, open? I think we should probably put on record here that this is us officially falling out. Okay. Well, we weren't friends to begin with, will we? So. <laughs> All right, crack on. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so this week's quiz, we're going to have a look at Saturday's game, Wolves against Aston Villa. Yes. Darren, we're going to start with you. So, Villa boss Steven Gerrard made 504 appearances in the Premier League during his playing career, but how many red cards did he pick up? My goodness me. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm going to say five. Three. I think two of them were against Manchester United. A little dance there. Right, should we move on? Yeah. Sam. Yes. Uh, so when Stevens uh, finished the game on Saturday, oh yeah, how long will it take him to drive from Molyneux back to Villa Park? Ooh, okay, so there's not much in terms of uh, distances, is it? That was it, twelve miles, something like that. It's not much. It's not much. Slightly north of Birmingham Junction. You get there quite quick, I think. I'm going to say 23 minutes. I think it's probably a little bit more than that. Um, 27 minutes. 28. Incorrect. It's going to take 35 minutes via the M6. So would I get that on the basis that I was closest to no. the pin? Yeah, I'll give uh, you half what? a point, Aaron. I'll Why? Give you Here we go. The question we've all been waiting for. Wolves have recently launched their Easter egg appeal, donating eggs to the children of Wolverhampton. How lovely. But if you don't fancy chocolate this year, there's always an option of a cheester egg, a solid lump of egg-shaped cheese. Oh, that's right, that's up, his, that's right up his street. That's a bit of me. You used to work on the cheese counter at Safeway. I did, wearing my little hat with the green ribbon around it. Yeah. Is there a picture? I'm not sure there is, actually. We used to have phone cameras back then. <laughs> <laughs> but Crook, can you tell me how much one of these would set me back from the official Butler's Chicken <laughs> website. I think quite a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, I always wait for this question. Been, there has been a bit of inflation since 1997 when you're working on the cheese counter. I'm going to go £19.99. Don't know where you're buying your cheese from, but that's nowhere near. Karen. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper. It's cheaper than you think. Yeah, I was going to say. That, that, that's a bargain, here. A lot. I will say... £5.50. Oh, Darren, I don't know if you're shopping at Lidl, but no, it's more expensive than that. $7.99. I'll give you half a point, Sam. It's £8.50. Whoa, get in. £8.50 with crackers and a bit of chutney. Oh, I'm going to put that on the list for Mrs Crook, my Easter wish list. Yeah, I think I might do. You boys love a bit of cheese, don't you? Not Not as as much as you, you, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) 
Brighton against Norwich is 3pm on Saturday. Now, if both teams could lose this one, they would, huh? Uh, Norwich have lost their last six. Brighton have lost their last six. And they've scored one goal since the 12th of February. I mean, if this isn't last on match of the day, then Wolves-Aston Villa will have had to have been really bad. Um, this is this is a difficult game, really, isn't it, for, for uh, Graham Potter? Because he almost has to win it, Crook. It's a huge game uh, because there are some, some Brighton fans now down here on the South Coast that are having serious concerns about them being dragged into a relegation battle. I don't necessarily no, see that, but no. I think the problem is in the past when Brighton have been losing games, the XG and the stats tell us actually they don't deserve to be losing games. I think during this run, they have deserved to lose the majority games they had. They're not playing well. Why? Um, why, though? why though? Because they've got a good pattern of play. They've got a good coach. They've got players that can obviously carry out his wishes. So why all of a sudden has that stopped? Is it a mentality issue? Is it because they felt they were safe? What What was it? I, I think maybe a, a little bit of um, feeling too secure um, possibly came into it. But that will be disappointing for Graham Potter because he would want Brighton to finish as high up the table as they can. There was even talk of a records points haul in the Premier League which I think is still on the table if they can get back to some kind of form this may sound slightly ridiculous but they've missed Dan Byrne um, because obviously he was sold to Newcastle that wasn't part of the, the Brighton plan necessarily they just felt it was an opportunity that they couldn't stand in the way of a boyhood Newcastle fan getting the chance to join his uh, beloved Magpies they got a decent transfer fee as well but they've had problems at a centre-back this season. Lewis Dunk has had injuries and suspensions. Adam Webster, the same. When those two are fit, they're fine. But when they're not and they have to move Joel Veltman across from right back, it has disrupted the back line. So that's part of the issue. But the other issue is you hit them out now on the head. They're not scoring goals. And then that's been an Achilles heel for the for, for the last couple of seasons. Uh, Neil Mope seems to have forgotten where the, the goal is. Danny Welbeck maybe isn't having the impact coming off the bench as he was early in the season. Alana can't stay fit. So I think it's a, it's a magnitude of things that have all come together at just the wrong time. But if there's one team you want to play to get your season back on track, surely it's Norwich at home. Magnitude or multitude, do you think? Whatever you said. What, what do you reckon, Darren? Darren, Darren's the grammar police. He made he pulled me up earlier. I, I think it's multitude. My, I had to do my intro again because he told me I got a word wrong. Multitude. I think it's probably multitude. Um, <laughs> a multitude of uh, goals probably at Ellen Road on Saturday, three p.m. Leeds against Southampton. Back to back wins for Leeds. Darren, they've eased the threat of of relegation. Yeah, I'm really pleased for Jesse Marsh because. We all know about the snobbery that comes with being an American coach when you come into the Premier League and some people didn't uh, believe that he was a man to build on Bielsa's work. Bielsa obviously revered in those parts. But you look at the celebrations for the goals that they've scored and you can see that he's already got uh, the club, the fan base and the players on side and they are all united. They've scored more goals than any other side in the bottom six. I think they'll shoot their way out of trouble and I think they'll be absolutely fine. And are we certain uh, that it's Norwich, Burnley, Watford or Everton to go down? I mean, Crook, you like to change your mind a lot. What what do you reckon? I think it's Norwich, Burnley and Watford. You don't think Everton are going to go down? No. I'm so scared for Everton. Um, Norwich, Burnley, Watford for you, Darren? Yeah, um, I I think they've got it all to do. I think Everton are one win away from staying up. I don't think the others can put together a decent run. They're all bad defensively and offensively. I think Everton, if they can get that one win, they'll be fine. Now, Lucy, you might need to help me out here. I'm trying to find some sort of weather, sort of of cursey sort of sound effects, like thunder and lightning stuff. Oh, that's rain. That's not going to work that much. 
them. You've got loads of them, right? Because yeah, even you'll, fi- yeah. you'll find them, right? Okay. It's not working yet. We need a curse of crook. Ah, uh, sound effect. Here we go. <laughs> ah, there it is. Yes, that's right. Uh, because um, the curse of crook has struck again. Uh, Wolves nosedive the minute he tipped them for the top four. Southampton now have lost four in a row since he praised Ralph for his tactics against West Ham in the Cup and said on TalkSport, he should be Manchester United's next manager. Uh, is there anybody you'd like I to ruin? I didn't say that. You did say that. You did say that. Even Danny Murphy, was, was he's backing you up at one stage. saying, yo, it should be considered. You did say it. You did. In fact, I actually don't know if you said it on air. You said it in the studio as we were leaving with Danny Murphy. I, I think I said that he needed to go to a club like... Tottenham as a stepping I don't stone to Manchester United. I don't think and that would really endear me to the people of the white half of North London as well. Oh, I dear. think you said Manchester United. I think you did. Uh, crook. I, I, I don't want to agree with Sam too much because we started out as me agreeing with you, but Sam is right. You yeah. did say you Man did. United. You did. You've been banging on about it quite a lot about how great he is and how much you want to go for a pint with him and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you, you came in to- with your shirt with uh, Hassan Hootle for Manchester United written on the front. <laughs> <laughs> I had a big love heart at the back, you and Hasselhoff inside it on, on the back. Yeah. Twisting what I said. So I, think, I, I think I said at one stage that he'd be a better Manchester United manager than I and Solskjaer, and I will stand well, by And you tipped him for Man United. Well, there you go, then. That's, that, that's, that's the first step on the road to tipping someone to take the job. Uh, but I think we've sort of got close to sort of uh, uh, developing a, a merchandise line now, where, Darren, we're going to get a T-shirt that says, <laughs> if, if you circle the drain long enough, you'll go down the plug hole. That's definitely his T-shirt. Crooks is either King Ralph... Or, I told you so. Um, <laughs> and yours will be, I don't like cheese. Well, I do, actually. <laughs> or snakes. He's not a big snake fan. I, I don't like snakes, but I, you know, you know, that's the completely different thing to being ironic about me not liking cheese. Um, right, okay. Quick nod to Palace against Arsenal. Palace have drawn 13 matches. I can actually see uh, Vieira uh, spicing up the top four race. The only reason we're doing a quick nod is because it's on Monday night and there will be another pod between now and then. Um, I, I just fancy... Palace to get something here. They've been difficult opponents uh, for some of the top sides. Uh, Manchester City will testify that having been held to a nil-nil draw at Selhurst Park a few weeks ago. And actually, Palace really unlucky not to win um, at the Emirates. It took a, a late equaliser from Arsenal to deny Patrick Vieira a fairy tale return. Again, you wonder, now they're in an FA Cup semi-final, might that prove a distraction? Could this be a good time for Arsenal to go there? But, if Arsenal are to maintain their grip on the top four, this is a game where they really have to take all three points, in my opinion. Darren? I think Palace could win this. Um, I was at that reverse fixture and they were full value for their lead, unlucky to score, but they were still gelling at the time. I think they're a better side now. Gallagher looks pure gold. Elise too. They've got goals up front. They don't... Listen, Zaha won't play, but it won't matter because they've got goals in that front six and they've got belief in that side as well. I think they could get at least a point from this game. Amazing, really, when you think about it, that you know, years ago, last year even, if Zaha had been out for a couple of weeks, everybody would have been in absolute meltdown and all games would be lost until he came back. But now, because of Elise, because of Gallagher, because of the way that the team has set up, there is a completely different outlook about Crystal Palace. And, and good luck to them uh, this Monday night when they take on... Uh, Arsenal. We'll have more details on that when we'll be back on Monday morning as we reflect on everything from the weekend. Remember, TalkSport is the place to be this Saturday. Game day returns. Three live games back-to-back from the Premier League and the Sunday session takes you round the grounds on a very busy Sunday as well. Cheers for listening.
The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 